Shalom, and welcome to Inside Israel News, your source for unbiased and thorough analysis of Israeli news, politics, and current events in the Middle East. I'm your host, Isaac Kite. It has been a truly fascinating week with lots of interesting news. I'm going to go into some of the relevant analysis here shortly. This week, uh, we heard that the Biden administration plans next week to introduce its uh, approach to the Iran crisis. So the the Biden administration has been uh, dragging its feet about this, and obviously the Iranians have been uh, posturing quite a bit. But now, finally, the Biden administration is actually going to tell us publicly what they're planning to do. This ought to be good. Finally, we're going to hear something from the administration about what they plan to, to deal with the uh, what their plan is to deal with the nuclear crisis and uh, their attempts to restore the deal with Iran. And I'm not all that optimistic, but obviously, uh, in a in a perfect world, I'd like to think that these people mean well, and I would really like to see if it would there was some way to to achieve success in preventing Iran from achieving a nuclear weapon. It's my, I want to say, pessimism about it is derived primarily from my knowledge of the Iranians, and, and if they're posturing, that's not a good sign. Uh, they they perceive the weakness of this administration, and they're going to take full advantage of it, and they're going to try to milk us for whatever concessions they can get out of the United States from any kind of deal. And deal, I'm going to put in quotation marks. If you could see me, I'm making quotation marks with my fingers, because whatever comes out of it, uh, the Iranians will only keep to in very loose and, uh, I want to say, inconsequential ways. Uh, As we saw with the last Iran deal, they continue to enrich uranium. They continue to work on ballistic missiles. Uh, They just, maybe, maybe it's possible they toned it down, even though it's not entirely clear that that's the case, since the IAEA inspectors, uh, International Atomic Energy uh, Agency inspectors, have said that uh, there are a number of sites they have not been allowed to inspect, and they have found uh, evidence of radiation at those sites. So we'll see. In any case, the Biden administration is going to tell us what their plans are, and we will see how the Iranians respond. So this is going to be that that critical moment where the administration pitches an approach to dealing with Iran, and we'll see how Iran chooses to respond to that positively or negatively. All right, back to election news and coverage. So we've kind of passed the first phase of an Israeli election, and it's the exciting part, the campaigning and the people getting ready to vote, and then on election day we have the turnout and we finally get real results. We've been looking at polls and they've gone this way and that, and there have been this trend and that trend, and uh, what are people thinking? And then we finally get results. And what those results showed us, as I described in the last episode, is that, for example, uh, faith in Benny Gantz, former General Benny Gantz, was higher than uh, polls had predicted, and uh, faith in uh, Gidon Saar, formerly Kudnik, who has left Bibi and uh, the party to run independently and oppose Bibi's re-election, he is not as popular as he thought. So will Prime Minister Bibi Netanyahu be re-elected? That's a question. So phase one is done. We've had the election. Now with those results, we know what the Knesset looks like. But because it's a multi-party proportional system, elections are not decisive. And as a result, we have this situation where now 
the the win, if you will, whether or not BB wins or his opponents win, uh, really depends on negotiations, personalities, and this long drawn out process of determining who forms the coalition and and how it comes together. The first bit of jockeying, what's really going on right now, because as I mentioned, uh, the the Hagamatzot Passover is on in Israel, which means everyone has the week off. So there's some politicking going on here and there, but at the same time, uh, a lot of people are kind of enjoying their time with their families and this kind of thing. So uh, it's a relaxed time. Still, there's lots of news, and, and there have been a few political meetings, and there are plans to have more serious meetings next week. And again, we'll see how those go. Some of the meetings that are taking place kind of center on how this coalition could come together one way or the other. And right now, the first part of that process is recommendations. So I described in the, in the supplement about how coalitions are built. The first thing that happens is that when we have results like this, when the Knesset is sworn in, they recommend different candidates for prime minister to the president. And again, the Israeli president is a figurehead president, kind of like the Queen of England. The president doesn't have a lot of power. In this process, the president is sort of a slave to the parliamentary plurality or majority. In other words, uh, whoever is uh, given the most recommendations, the most votes, gets to form, uh, gets to have the first go at forming the government. And that's not really up to the president. So if 52 Knesset members recommend Bibi and 50 recommend, say, Yair Lapid, uh, then obviously uh, Bibi's going to have the first go at forming a coalition. If 53 recommend Lapid, then uh, he might have the first go at forming a coalition. Uh, and the other may still have an opportunity after the first has failed to form a coalition. So this can kind of go around. So a lot of the, the jockeying right now has been focused on who's going to recommend whom. And this focuses on three political blocks that are of interest. So we, I've talked about how the pro-Bibi crowd includes uh, Bibi Netanyahu's Likud party, the religious Zionists, the Shas, which is the, the ultra-Orthodox uh, Sephardic party, and UT, United Torah Judaism, the Ashkenazic ultra-Orthodox party. Those are Bibi's natural allies, and together, all of those four parties have 52 seats. Then we have the opposition, which is made up of Yair Lapid's Yeshatid party, uh, Benny Gantz's Blue and White party. You have Yisrael Batenu, the secular right party. Uh, then there's uh, Labor, uh, Meretz, and uh, that, that group is, is sort of loosely branding themselves as the change coalition or the change party, if you will. Uh, they're, they're the pro-change group. They, they want a, a change from Bibi Netanyahu. Now, the, the media has been disingenuously uh, misrepresenting the election results by putting joint list in with that lot. Okay, joint list is uh, three and a half. I want to say three and a half because technically the Ma'an party has joined um, three and a half Arab parties that are represented in the Knesset. And they have six seats, and they've been counted along with the pro-change group. So if you have 50 seats that are uh, between Lapid, Gantz, uh, Gidon Sa'ar, all of, the, all of the opponents of Bibi Netanyahu, they have 50 seats. And the media is running around saying that uh, Bibi's opponents have 56, but that's not 
true. <laughs> and that's one of the things that I find frustrating. Well, where's the, where, where's the fun in, in politics if there isn't media spin, right? And, uh, you know, right here on Inside Israel News, you get to cut right through the media spin. So one of the uh, members of Joint List, who's somewhat a leader, a longtime uh, Arab political activist, Ahmed Tibi, uh, TB is with the Ta'al party. He will be going to meet with Yair Lapid, and he's going to be laying out a set of demands that he says, if met, could allow uh, joint list perhaps to recommend Yair Lapid as an opponent to Bibi. And, and we'll see. However, when the media misrepresented or mischaracterized that coming meeting next week, that when the two meet, that uh, if Lapid... Uh, agrees to these demands that uh, Joint List would be siding with the pro-change group, uh, TB put out, a, uh, <laughs> put out a statement saying, no, that's not necessarily true. And he's reminding people that no one should be taking Joint List's votes for granted. And one member of Joint List, Shahadeh, is already out saying that no one should vote for any, uh, recommend any prime minister unless that person supports the broader Arab agenda. And as he notes, there is no candidate who supports that. I believe, if I'm not mistaken, somebody said that Joint List really shouldn't be counted with the anti-BB crowd. Who was that? Who was that? Somebody was saying it. I know it was heard. Oh, it was heard right here because I said it. And it's, uh, laugh with me, my friends. I, it's such a joke the way the media mischaracterizes things. That's something that's not unique to the United States, believe me. So you heard it here first, joint list should not be considered as part of the left voting block, the anti-BB voting block. It really is something separate. Maybe up to five of them may vote to recommend Yair Lapid. That is still a stretch. As Ahmed Tibi was saying, no one should take those seats for granted. Now, I agree with Tibi on that. Not on a great deal else, <laughs> but on that point. Uh, he's very correct. Uh, that is not a voting block that should be taken for granted. So, again, the media should not be including joint list with the left. And it's kind of ridiculous that they do. So I try to laugh, try to be light about it. It is infuriating sometimes. Uh, the, the problem, of course, being that the Israeli media will spin things a certain way. And then, of course, the international media picks up on it and they start spinning it. And so everybody's talking about how there's gridlock and all of that. And, and the election was inconclusive and, and this sort of thing. We don't know that. It is so early in the process. We're, we're, we've got, you know, uh, so far to go in this process. It is way too early to be saying those things. It could be that Bibi will form a coalition. It could be that his opponents will form a coalition. We don't know yet. Uh, it's, it's early in the process. It is not, there, there was not an obvious decisive win, okay? But that does not make the election inconclusive. That means that things are a little more up in the air. But they're up in the air in a way that it really hasn't happened in Israeli politics. As I've been describing way back in December from the early episodes of Inside Israel News, with the peace treaties between Israel and the United Arab Emirates and Bahrain, in particular, uh, also with Sudan and Morocco, the normalization of Israel with Arab countries has opened a door that has never been opened before. Now, the, the sort of pan-Arabist or Islamist parties in Israel might consider 
shifting away from the old ways of not participating in the Knesset, not recommending prime ministers, and not joining coalitions. And there are a number of different ways that they could participate by joining a coalition, by supporting a minority government. I'll, I'll talk about that in a minute. There are a couple of different ways, so we'll see. But again, that, that comes down to a question of uh, intellectual honesty to be able to tell people that the election was not inconclusive. At this point, we just don't know. You have to wait. You have to see. We'll have more headlines to come. Okay. So uh, Yamina is in a little bit of a complicated situation. This is Naftali Bennett's party. Uh, Naftali Bennett is more closely associated with Bibi. His political future and his um, constituents are, are happier with the idea of Bibi being prime minister. He did not join with the anti-Bibi crowd. Neither did he join with the pro-Bibi crowd during the election, as I described. So he is out there uh, undecided, uncommitted. He is not with either camp. However, he has sort of slowly put himself in the position of saying that unless he is the candidate for prime minister, he's not going to join with the anti-Bibi crowd. Right? Well... If that's the case, then that means uh, he is uh, more likely to join with Bibi uh, than he is with the opposition because Yair Lapid, Gidon Sa'ar, these are the men who lead the anti-Bibi crowd, and they're the ones who are more likely to want to set up a rotation amongst themselves to uh, unseat Netanyahu and, and fill that out. It has been interesting that the election's over, Yair Lapid, who was uh, so altruistic just a few weeks ago, saying, you know, oh, I, I could put my ambitions to be prime minister on hold if it means we could get rid of Bibi Netanyahu. All of the sudden, he's emerged as the premier candidate against Bibi now that the elections are over, of course. <laughs> and that, uh, that for, folks, is Israeli politics. Uh, there's a little bit of a, a joke I had with a friend once, and uh, I was saying... Uh, uh, some things about uh, one particular politician who had been especially opportunistic in a given situation. And my friend said, well, it sounds like so-and-so is an opportunist. And I just paused and I said, well, that, that's an Israeli candidate, like an Israeli politician. That goes without saying. Opportunism is just part of the territory. So that's uh, kind of where uh, it's part of, the, part of the process. It's part of who these people are. Uh, so uh, Lapid's opportunism, now that the election is over, is becoming apparent. And obviously he sees himself as the alternative to Bibi Netanyahu. Will that sit well with Gidon Sa'ar or with uh, Naftali Bennett? Who knows? So Bennett is probably going to end up leaning more in uh, Bibi's camp uh, since it's unlikely the opposition is going to contemplate any kind of role for him as prime minister. They might offer him a high-ranking cabinet position, uh, but being PM is a bit much. So that's, uh, that's unlikely, but we will see how that shakes out. All right, uh, when I'm back from the break, we will have, uh, I will have a discussion of Ra'am and Ra'am's situation, uh, which is pretty fascinating in the grand scheme of the coalition and uh, recommendation process. Right, so where does Ra'am fit into all this? Well, Yair Lapid met with Mansour Abbas, who is the leader of Ra'am, uh, shortly after the election, uh, this last Saturday, and uh, 
presumably wooed him toward the anti-BB camp. Uh, but there is a question as to uh, whether that was necessarily the best move. Uh, Guidon Saar, for example, criticized Lapide for that meeting, saying that it would have been smarter if he had met with Bennett instead, considering that you know Bennett has seven seats in the, in the next Knesset, the 24th Knesset, and Ram has only, tw- uh, has only four to speak of. And uh, there, so there's been some back and forth over that. But where does Ra'am stand? Mansour Abbas, who leads Ra'am, has been working with Netanyahu over the past few years to address issues in the Arab community. That does not make them friends. It does not mean he likes Bibi Netanyahu. It does not mean that he loves everything about the Israeli right. However, uh, a large number of Arabs do vote for Likud and the Israeli right. Surprise, surprise. Take that international press with your, your claims of... Uh, apartheid state and all this nonsense. So what does, what does that all mean? Has Mansour Abbas really put Ra'am in a position where it might conceivably join a coalition? And the answer to that is possibly. He has certainly not avoided it. And this is a curious situation. Well, we don't know that he will join in either side. Well, perhaps he'll just sit the whole thing out. Who knows? But more so than has ever been the case in the past, Abbas has played to the idea that he could bring the interests of the Arab community in Israel, talking about about one in five Israelis who are uh, Arab, Arab Christian, or mostly uh, Arab Muslim of one variety or another, and having their, their interests represented in a coalition where they would actually have a say over uh, housing restrictions, over organized crime. Uh, over the financial uh, issues that relate to their community, uh, things of that nature. And there is a broad desire among Israelis, and and rightly so, to integrate various disparate populations in Israel. I've discussed this in in some of the episodes that preceded it. The the Russians are still a little bit separate. The Ethiopians are still a little bit separate. Uh, The Arabs are obviously just a little bit separate. And if uh, and the, the Haredi, the ultra-Orthodox, also kind of keep themselves separate. Uh, the idea is out there of, and this is the, kind of the main social issue, how to get there is really a, uh, an interesting question, and, and a question for the future. I'll talk about it more in a future episode. But uh, there, there is this idea that now Israel is over 70 years old. Uh, maybe it's time to pull all of these elements together and try to fashion a uh, pan-Israeli society, right? a broader, greater Israeli culture that includes all of its different components. Uh, Obviously, it is a largely Jewish state, but it also has an Arab minority. There are also Russian Jews, uh, Beta Israel, the the Ethiopian Jews. There are ultra-Orthodox. There are uh, Arabs. There are a lot of these groups. So let's bring it all together. Mansour Abbas has made it clear that he's keeping all his cards on the table and he's going to take the best deal that comes to him. He's kind of the ultimate opportunist. He's sided with no one. But he did tell Channel 12 months ago that it might be time for uh, an Arab party to join a government and that would even potentially include the Israeli right, which uh, has a lot of interests in common. I mean, you, you look at a party like Ram and uh, there's an interesting discussion of this. If you, if you go to the Jerusalem Post, jpost.com, there's an editorial uh, talking about the possibility of Ra'am joining the government. 
And uh, the Jerusalem Post is generally in a favorable mood on it, basically saying, look, if, if an Arab party supports Israel's right to exist and sort of acknowledges the de facto reality that Israel is a Jewish democratic state, right, which kind of goes without saying, essentially, uh, unless they deny that or deny Israel's right to exist, which obviously would be uh, inconsistent with joining a government, a sitting coalition uh, Israeli government. In any case, as long as they, they're okay with those things uh, and do not try to harm Israel, why wouldn't they be welcome in the government? And especially with this broader sort of integrationist thinking that, uh, that sort of pan-Israeli society concept. Well, uh, it's an interesting discussion. I, I recommend giving it a read. It's a, a really good debate there, has some other information in there. Uh, but Mansour Abbas is concerned about his constituents, how they're being treated, and wants to improve their condition. But when you look at the issues that are of concern to their community, um, on social issues in particular, Ra'am is much more aligned with Likud and the ultra-Orthodox parties, the Haredi parties, and the religious Zionists, especially on issues of, say, homosexuality, uh, than they are with the left. You have the left that's out there... Uh, uh, much like the, the left in most countries. You know, we support homosexual rights and we support the right of homosexual people to marry and we're all for transgender rights and all that good stuff, all that, all that stuff that people on the left are all for and, and that is their agenda. But for an Islamist and an Islamic party like Ra'am, that's antithetical to their religious beliefs. So naturally, with the more, uh, I want to say, fervent Jewish religious beliefs of the ultra-Orthodox, that would be an area that would be kind of a comfortable zone for them. And it doesn't mean that Israeli uh, gays need to worry about their rights. Uh, Israel has uh, established many rights for homosexuals, and so it's not really a, a, that kind of question. However, uh, when it comes to uh, issues related to transgenderism or what, you know, making, making new progress in that particular area, obviously Ra'am would not be in favor. So this is where there are some areas of overlap with the Israeli right. And as I've mentioned, a good number of Arab voters do vote with Likud. So what could happen here? There are a number of, of sort of paths that could be taken here. Uh, Mansour Abbas could literally sit down with Bibi Netanyahu and hash out a coalition agreement and join the government. It could happen. Again, it would really just require that sort of accept the fact that Israel exists and accept the fact that it's a Jewish democratic state and just not attack those things and sit in the government. And Mansour Abbas could become a minister of some sort and he could, you know, just be, be a part of the Israeli government. And that would give him a great deal of power over the issues pertaining to his community and thus make him stronger politically in his own community, which is what's good for a politician, right? Uh, there's another path, and that's uh, called government and minority. From it, It's kind of a, I want to say, a parliamentary half-step uh, where a party can be a step removed from being in the government, but basically Bibi could form a coalition with, say, Yamina and have 59 seats, and so he's just too shy of a majority. And every time a vote of confidence is held, uh, Ra'am would vote with the right and when the budget is up on the ballot you know so it would be in, they would be kind of informally part of the coalition 
so you, uh, Mansour Abbas would not be a member of the cabinet, and they wouldn't sit on any committees with the government, uh, but they would have a say kind of behind the scenes in uh, what the government does, and they would support a what's called a government of minority. It's kind of a, an oxymoron, a government and minority. It just means that uh, the government receives the votes of a majority, but that includes parties that do not want to sit in the coalition formally. Uh, it's, it's a strange concept, I know. It happens in a number of uh, European democracies from time to time. Canada had, uh, back in the days of Chrétien, the, uh, the government a minority where the National Democrat Party, the, the far-left party, propped up a conservative government uh, to sort of despite the liberals <laughs> and uh, kind of keep the country running. Uh, let's just say it was, it was more in their interests to prop up the conservative government, they felt, than to prop up a, a left-wing government. In any case, the, uh, this is something that could happen. So that's, that's a path forward for Mansour Abbas. What is he going to do? Um, he's met with Lapid. Uh, obviously, he is open to uh, sitting with Bibi. Who knows? Uh, if the recommendations come in and they are, there are more, recommend, uh, more votes to recommend Bibi than there are otherwise, then Bibi will, ha Bibi will have the first go at forming a coalition. How could that happen? Well, at this point, basically, it just depends on how Yamina votes vis-a-vis -vis Bibi and how Joint List votes vis-a-vis -vis Lapid. Um, and whether it's Lapid or, or some other candidate that they want to put up uh, on the left. That's going to be interesting. We'll see. I wouldn't count Joint List in, and I wouldn't necessarily count Joint List out. Perhaps five of the six might vote. As I said, uh, one of their... One of their Knesset members, uh, Shahideh, is already saying he doesn't support any, uh, supporting either side. Uh, so maybe five of them might vote, right, which would certainly put uh, that um, anti-BB group a little bit ahead of BB at the moment. But if Naftali Bennett's Yamina party were to vote to recommend that Netanyahu form the government first, then that would certainly trounce them. Uh, perhaps they and Ra'am will vote to recommend BB first. Who knows? Uh, Ram might choose instead to sit it out and wait until the coalition process is nearing completion and then kind of finalize negotiations. And if they don't, you know, that way if, if Mansour Abbas doesn't get what he wants out of BB, he can always kind of stall and maybe even collapse the coalition, prevent it from coming together such that he could try to see what he could get out of the other side. So we don't know. Uh, there is a good chance that there might be a fifth election coming because neither side is able to form a government. But um, almost even odds, I'd say maybe 60-40, there is a good chance uh, that um, Naftali Bennett and Mansour Abbas will sit down with Bibi and form a government because it would be in their best interest to do so. He's rather desperate, he needs it, and they can ex extract a lot of uh, concessions from him to join the coalition. So that could be interesting. But uh, the indicators at this point are that uh, Abbas is kind of keeping his options open. And it's not looking like the anti-Bibi crowd is interested in Naftali Bennett as prime minister. I made an interesting supplement about the possibility that uh, Bennett might be prime minister. But at the time, there were some polls that showed Yamina as high as 16 and others that showed it falling below 10. And so it was... You know, we're conflicting polls, and we're like, well, let's explore this possibility, but who knows. 
right now uh, with Yamina at seven, it's unlikely that uh, he'll end up being prime minister. But if that's his condition for joining with the anti-BB crowd, then he's kind of out at this point. And the, uh, the anti-BB crowd is trying to see if they can get Joint List and Ra'am together and have just enough to form a majority and, and push BB out. That's a, a tall order and a lot to ask. So that's just as much, uh, it's just as improbable, let's just say, uh, or, or perhaps even less probable than the idea that BB might uh, form a government. In all likelihood, uh, Bibi's going to have the first go at forming government. I'd be a little bit surprised if he didn't under the circumstances because I just don't see Naftali Bennett knowing that the anti-Bibi crowd isn't interested in him as prime minister and that he can't really get a great deal out of them, especially with the number of seats he has. It's much better for him uh, perhaps to recommend Bibi, wait till Bibi has formed a coalition with uh, religious Zionists and the two ultra-Orthodox parties, kind of his natural coalition, and then kind of hold Bibi up for concessions after that, and then see what happens with Ra'am in the long run. Uh, does does Ra'am join the coalition? Does it not? Does it uh, prop up uh, Netanyahu as a prime minister, kind of as a party uh, outside the coalition, as I mentioned, government and minority? That'll be That'll be up to that point. Again, saying that the election is entirely inconclusive and that a fifth election is coming, it's, it's too early to tell. Could happen, but that's not necessarily the most likely outcome at this point. And having been four elections, through four elections in two years, a lot of people are tired of voting. So it would really be best if this Knesset, if the 24th Knesset could just work something out and come up with a government that could last two or three years and at least buy some time for people to, uh, you know, not to have to vote constantly. We'll see how that plays out. Well, that concludes another exciting episode of Inside Israel News. Check out the website, insideisrael.news. Find me on Facebook. Would appreciate any feedback. And onward. So with that, I will say goodbye. Lahitrot. <laughs> המשחטות הישנות יגעינו תפוחי זהב כל זה אינו משל ולא חלום זה נכון כעול בצהריים